What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Oh, it's easy to go get a truck. Okay, go try it. Oh, it's easy to go get insurance. Okay, go try it. Oh, it's easy to get lanes. I heard that all the time. Okay, go try it. Right. Oh, it's easy to book a load. Go do it. Oh, oh, my truck's going to make $15,000 a week. Okay. Show me where it's at, and then I'll follow you. You know what I'm saying? Where's this yellow brick road you speak of? Turn my mic up. For you. Take there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. All right, so Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam, welcome back to the show. Um, today, as always, we have a super dope show for you. I got my brother Ryan Akers with me. Um, he's a multi multipreneur, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, um, fleet owner. So we're going to talk a little bit about all of that. Um, Ryan, what's up, man? Welcome welcome to the Hustle Fam, Truck and Hustle. What's good, man? How are you? My man, what's going on with you? How you doing? Man, you know, just another day, man, you know, trying, trying to get through it. Um, making it happen, right. baby, as always, you know, <laughs> that's every day for sure, for sure, for sure. All right, man. So let's get into it, man. As always, before we start the show, we like to, you know, kind of introduce our guests, where you come from, um, a little bit of the backstory, um, how you got to where you're at today. So give us a little bit about your backstory, Ryan. Uh, military brat raised in Cali. Um, I moved to Houston after I went to the air force, came out here really on some trying to figure out what Houston was like. And I don't want to say I got stuck, but uh, things happened and I've been here ever since. So for me, um, this is, this has been home almost the other half of my life, like the grown part of my life now seemed like, uh, but been, been in Houston, I jumped into a bunch of different type of uh, the workplace workforce um, before kind of finding my niche as an entrepreneur. And uh, with that, I've been doing that now uh, a little over 12 years. Okay. Working for self. Okay. And uh, I wouldn't want it any other way. You know, there's a lot that comes with it, but you know, the risk and the reward, I take the reward every day. So that's a fact. That's a fact. Talk a little bit about what you did before you got into entrepreneurship, but some of those uh, workforce things. What, what were you doing? <laughs> uh, man, when I when I got started, like, so my my first real job as one of my boys said was um, I did some hip hop dance stuff when I was a kid. Okay. So I was able to get on tour. And uh, like my senior year in high school, I, was, I toured the world. Okay. So, you know so, what I mean? So you, are, you in, are you not in Houston at this time? Not in Houston. No, I was in California. Ah, uh, yeah, in Cali. Time. Right, right. Yeah, in California. Yeah. Let's the stop there. You said you toured the world. Talk, talk about yeah. that. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy to say it again, right? But uh, <laughs> I toured the world. So, so I got blessed with the opportunity. Um, it started with Kurt Franklin. Um, at the time, I think he was doing uh, Stump was his big song, and then he did another song called Revolution. So we, um, and then and then at that time, you got to remember like. For Christian music and all that type of stuff, it wasn't no dancing. Like 
right. was like kind of the first cast that he brought in, did hip hop dance with him, uh, a little group in California that I was a part of. And then, I mean, we did everything that you can think of. So okay. as a kid, being able to watch every award show and then being on there, that's dope. It's completely different. I did every award, name an award show that was out. We was on there. We did so, the so, day. So how do you, how do you find y'all? Like, what was it? Was he just like looking for dancers? You know what? How did that happen? Nah, we we uh, the crew <laughs> we the crew I call it right. Sop was was the name of the group. Um, the guy Adrian Ewings, is, which is one of my other mentors and my daughter's godfather. Now he uh, it was an inner city group basically that he just developed to get kids like off the streets off the street so okay. for, yeah for us it was a big deal especially for me i kind of got pushed into the group one of my uncles was like you gotta go <laughs> you know what i'm saying my right. mom's really didn't know how to deal with me at that time so it was like you know this is kind of positive let's do it anyway um Kurt Franklin was coming to a concert or something like that in san diego i remember us going we used to have like these nike sweatsuits back then that we used to wear. So if you saw us out, you knew who we were because we used to wear like these really like all all white or like black and orange or whatever it was. We kind of stood out. Right. So go to the concert. And how many see, y'all is it? How many, how many y'all in the group? Oh man, the group was like, at the height, it probably was like 50, 60 kids. Damn. You know what I mean? But, okay. but we went to the concert initially, maybe 20. Okay. So y'all all rolled together kids. like 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 in the group and outside the group too, like that was a squad. Yeah, so like the group kind of became family. You okay. know, everybody, every kid lived like normally in a different little area, a different part of town. Like I ain't live around some of these kids. They didn't go to school with me, but we all met up at this like um neutral location, so to speak. Okay. Right. So and what's it like in San Diego at this time? Like what's 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 San oh, Diego like? Yeah, yo. So for, for people that don't know, everybody thinks San Diego is just like blitz glamour. It's kind of like, you know, it's really nice. It's almost like the brighter side of L.A., it's, but it's a baby L.A. So for me at that time, I'm doing all the knucklehead stuff you can do. Gang banging. I'm, I'm wilding. But I'm but I'm playing ball at the same time. Like I'm in school, man. I'm in high school. So I'm like I'm living my life. But that's what that was for me. Right. Um, so, so dancing was kind of like the escape, the getaway. Got you. I got to think about it. Literally, uh, literally dancing probably saved my life because right before I got picked to go on tour, um, there was a set that we was feuding with that actually put, you know, like a clause out, like, yo, we out to get this dude. Right. You know what I'm saying? I remember right. calling one of my friends. She was already, um, like they, they had started a tour already. Okay. So I remember calling, talking to them like, yo, y'all pray for me because guess what? <laughs> I might not be here in a couple, you know what I mean? Like, that's right. how real it was. Wow. And okay. um, right before school started, I got a phone call that gave me an uh, opportunity, basically like, yo, we want to bring you on tour. Going on tour literally saved my life for me. So, um, but but being able to have that experience and then meeting the people that you meet while you're out there. Yeah. Like I said, we... Um, we started with Kurt Franklin, but we are, we were able to share the stage and do shows with Black Eyed Peas, you know, um, Missy Elliott, uh, Maya, um, Usher. We, mm. Maya, Usher, and myself was almost the same age, so it was like we were kids dancing with kids. <laughs> right, right, right. Mary J. Blige, yeah. Bono from U2, like Stevie Wonder. Like these are people that 
we did shows with, like share yeah. the stage, but at the same time, you know what I mean? Like those are great memories That's dope. Um, for me. And uh, even back then in the nineties, they don't have a lot of shows that we used to do. Like BT had a bunch, the uh, BT soundstage, Teen Summit. Um, they used to come that. on on the weekends. Yeah, we a did all of that. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I remember exactly. That. <laughs> we did all of those shows, man. And um, uh, just just having the experience, man, that's that's a blast. Something I'll never forget. I can tell you that for sure. Yeah, that's dope, bro. That's dope. That's dope. All right. So this is like, this is your your late, late teens, right? Like 18, yeah. 19? Actually, I was 16 when I started. Oh, 16. And you did yeah, that for how long? Um, Two years. Well, we danced, I danced pretty much since like ninth grade. So 1995. I graduated okay. in 90. Uh, okay. Went on tour in 97. Dope. 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 Got you. All right. So at this point, you're still in San Diego. And then at what point do you make the move to Houston? Uh, graduated high school. So I finished my high school on the road in 99. Okay. Um, come back home, graduate. <laughs> at this point, I feel like I'm grown. My parents leave literally maybe like a day or two after graduation. So I graduate, then I take a trip. I, I had a car and everything at the time. So I drive to LA, go chill with my family. When I come back, um, there was a moving truck in front of my house. My mom had a Ziploc bag with all of my, like all everything vital, like my birth certificate, passport, all that was in the Ziploc bag. And she was like, yo, we're going to, um, and originally they was going to Ohio. Okay. But I was like, I'm, I'm not going. She was like, all right, cool. So we thought, <laughs> here go the Ziploc bag, take this, you 17 year old grown man and, right. you know, enjoy life type of thing. It was like, dang, but. <laughs> I wasn't moving from Cali to Ohio. I don't know yeah. nobody in Ohio, bro. So yeah. for me, it was it was a clear cut. Like I'm staying. Okay. Um, but upon that happening, mind you, I told you before. You know, life before tour for me was crazy. Right. So right after tour, you come back, you in the same scenario, same situation, same friends, same peers. You know what I mean? It don't matter how much money you made or if you was on TV or not. You still got to live your real life. That's a fact. So I made a decision. I knew a recruiter. From high school, he used to come up to the school all the time. Uh, Mr. McCardell, Sergeant McCardell at the time. Something told me, I just woke up one day, like, I was, it was very sporadic. Never, it wasn't like a thought out plan. I would have never, I told everybody I was never going to the military because I grew up under the military. My we, my stepfather's name was the Sarge. <laughs> right. right? That was Got what you. we called. I'm telling you, Got all you. my people call him the Sarge. Like, you can come to my house. He was so like, it was no it was no issues at my career. We never was that was my house was not like the kicking spot. Right. Nobody right. wants to come over there. We're like the Sarge? No, nah, we're not, not going you. over there. <laughs> right. That's crazy. But this particular day I wake up. Um actually I was playing JC ball. I started playing basketball in junior college. And um it was just it was just craziness, bro. I was like, man, I, I gotta get out of here. I don't, don't want to die like this. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I don't want to be the statistic. So some had to give, woke up, I go holler at McCardell, I tell him I need to get into the military. He's laughing because he's like, yeah, right, right, you ain't serious. I'm like, yeah, get me in the military now. Like, if right. I ain't leaving this week, I ain't going. Right, right. So now he's, his eyes is like this. He's like, all right, I mean, when I tell you, I don't think anybody else has ever got rushed to the military that fast, but <laughs> <laughs> this was in December. I ended up leaving for boot camp right after Christmas on the 28th. Oh, man. So literally like I, under a month. Yeah. It was less than a month. I didn't tell but nobody. Under a month. Yeah. yeah. People found out like as I'm writing letters back home, 
Okay. I ended up going to the military. What, what, like, what, what branch? I went to the Air Force. Okay. Got you. I went to the Air Force. Uh, I became, I did a uh, security forces in the Air Force, which is basically, you know, the police and the military, which is also crazy. Something I was never said I was going to do. Right. But, but I guess when you grow up, you find out different things, right? Right, like right, I said, right. I, want, I was interested in being in law enforcement, but in the Air Force, it was kind of a cool scenario. Um, plus, it gave us a little bit of power. And at the time when I was in there, uh, it seemed like a lot of black brothers and sisters was all cops. Like we went to the Air Force, we going to be a cop or like there was engineers and stuff like that. But you didn't see a lot of us in those fields. But the police field or the law enforcement field or even like um, I ended up becoming what's called a missile field cop. OK. Right. And I can't really get into all of that over <laughs> the Internet uh, about what we was doing. But, yeah, like, you know, we would go to work. Uh, for three, basically three days, you're out there. Okay. And you come back home. I had the best schedule of my life. Like I said, you work three days. You know you're gone for three straight days. Okay. When you come back to base, you got six days off. So it's like I almost had a, a week off every every other week. Got you. But when you go to work, you working. Yeah. You, you're doing some high level confidential type. Yeah. It was type definitely stuff. definitely had security clearance and all of that. Um, got you. Involved with it. Um, but it was cool. It was a, definitely a dope experience. I don't know many people that could ever say that they did what I did in that regard, <laughs> right. especially if, if they weren't in that position. But it's like one of those things you see on a movie, you're like, what are they doing? Right. Yeah. You know, I've been there. So it, it goes down for real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of different things that I was exposed to. Uh, like I said, another, another good opportunity, but also exposed to the real world. Right. As it pertains to uh, life. And that's one of the first things that clicked in my head when I was working in the Air Force is that I had no power, right? Mm -hmm. um, as a as a worker, I literally had no powers. Whatever your um, commander or your sergeant or whoever's the ranking officer over you, whatever they say goes, it's law. Right. Or, or in the military, you can get what's called an Article 15, uh, which is basically like a felony on the streets, right? You get that on your jacket. You know, it's hard for you to move up in rank. Um, you could be kicked out of the service for it. Uh, I mean, you could go to jail in the military. Like, there's a lot of crazy things that could happen. Lose right. pay, you know what I mean? And I went through some sporadic stuff inside of the military, too. I had some great times. I played ball um, for the Air Force team that was there. We, we traveled a bit. Uh, great experience. I got friendships and brotherhoods that I made while I was there, um, you know, with people still to this day. Dope. But that was that was the experience. I got out 2003, uh, circa 2003. Now I make the move to Houston, um, and my parents actually relocated. They didn't they didn't end up making it to Ohio. I know I said they were originally going to Ohio. They never made it to Ohio. I got a call. My old man got a better job opportunity down in uh, Houston. They took that. They came to Houston. Okay. And then I came down here, like I said. So been down here ever since. Um, one of those things that I did was jump it back and forth when I got here, just kind of jumped into a couple of different uh, workplace opportunities. You know, I worked in the oil field out here in Houston, okay. Texas. Anybody that knows, um, it's a, this is oil and energy company down here. Real big oil and energy and railroad is out here also. But if you're in the oil industry, you touch in Houston at some point. If you're in the energy industry, you touch in Houston, Texas at some point. Um, right. 
and it's a great opportunity. Uh, I know people that are straight out of high school that are making $150,000 as um, operators at chemical plants. Mm. No degree. Yeah. Right. So, so there's money here. When I came here, uh, I was seeing so many black men drive like nice whips. They had decent houses as opposed to in California, especially at that time, property and everything is going up. So where you used to be able to, to rent for, for a decent price, I mean, gas in California when I moved to Texas was three dollars already. Damn. When I came to Texas in two thousand three, gas was still like one fifty. Wow. You know, wow. so I was like, "Yeah, I'm staying. I'm cool." Right, right, right. I'm, I'm gonna have to make do and uh, make this happen. And then I took the, the the stab forward with the business and leap of faith. In uh, two thousand and eight, I got opportunity while forming my my nonprofit properly. Okay. I, uh, the gentleman that was actually uh, that I paid to to form the nonprofit um, had a conversation with me, like just kind of piqued my interest as far as the tax game is concerned. Mm. And uh, said he was doing a workshop, asked me, you know, it felt like I would be a good fit. Seemed like I might be um, an entrepreneur type of guy. I'm like, well, yeah, sort of. Um, at this point, I hadn't really worked for long periods of time at jobs. I, I was like getting jobs and quitting them in a year <laughs> or less. And I mean, this is square business, man. It was crazy. I was getting good jobs though. Right. But I just, it was just like something about them. Like, this yeah, feel right. man, never, never. I was trying to find my niche, so to speak. I had a daughter that was, you know, she, at this time, she's a couple of years old, uh, eight, three, four years old, man. I'm like, I, I just want to find like what what's good for me, you know, to build my legacy. What is it? Like I, I didn't feel like I needed to work for somebody and I just hadn't figured out what it was that I wanted to do yet. Right. That would, that would put me over the top. So when I got the opportunity for the taxes, I remember going to a training class that he, uh, this gentleman, um, offered. This gentleman was not a black gentleman, by the way. All right. This older white guy that put me in this position, but he had a good vision at the time. It was, like I said, it was 10 of us that showed up to this um, class that he was offering to do taxes. Okay. In less than a week, it was just me. Hmm. Everybody fell off. Yeah. And so it was an easy thing for him. He's like, all right, put my energy in this guy. Right. And for me, that's like, everybody else gone. Let me figure out what I can actually do. And I was I started working part-time, just kind of like coming uh, after work. Uh, work. I was working in the oil field. So when I would get off, I, I would actually make sure that I got off. I would work like eight hours or 10 hours for sure, instead of trying to work 12 or more. Yeah. Try to get overtime. I would work like eight hours. Some days I might work 10, but then I would go straight to the tax office and okay. work like in the afternoons or whatever. And one one of those days, I ended up making like what I made in a week. Okay. A couple of hours. Okay. It was it was lights out after that. Now he's teaching you how to prepare taxes for other yeah, people? Prepare taxes, yeah. So at the time, uh, he had clientele already. So his overflow was just crazy. He had this, this guy at this time... In 2000 and uh, well, now we're in 2009. He his office is staying packed. Like there wasn't really a good um, front office, you know, setup. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Like this is like a family owned and operated type of thing. This guy yeah. had clients that would literally come in at eight. He would be there till midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Got you. Now was this? Now was he a CPA? Um. Yeah. Yeah. He okay. Was he was a CPA. Got you. Um. And I think this it was kind of like a family business for him. I think. 
We are here live at OTR Solutions HQ. I'm here with my partner, Jonathan. Man, listen, factoring is an integral part of the transportation industry. Why is factoring important? Absolutely, Ramel. In this economy, in this market, cash flow is king. Cash flow is the key to growth. If you have a young trucking company or if you've been in the industry for years and you want to take that business to the next level, we're absolutely a company that can help. So I hope you'll give us a call today. Let us know what we can do to help you out. Get the rest and roll with the best. Let's go. You got a cousin or somebody that used to have a tax office or whatever, too. Okay. Like I said, this dude's in his 50s at the time. So, um, or late 40s. But um, he was cold. And so I, he would give me some, some like overflow. And, and quite, it was just from people, because I wasn't even promoting this at the time. So I have, I'm doing his overflow clients or people that are new clients to him because they haven't come to him yet. He's kind of pushing them to me. And uh, that's kind of that's kind of what happened. I, I just built my my base and my clientele at first was strictly from the clientele that he allowed to come to me. Right. So um, from that, you know, it blossomed. <laughs> it grew. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I was once I got my feet wet, I jumped all the way in um, from jumping in. I, you know, obviously I just attacked people that I knew. OK my friends, some of my family, then it just kind of grew. Um, uh, mind you, I told you, I have, I'm, at this time in, in Houston, I know a lot, a lot of people, man. I've been able to deal with the people in the music industry out here, then in the workforce out here. Just i just been spreading my wings. Right. So when I jumped into this, it wasn't really hard to get clientele because I knew a ton of people. people you had your network me. in place already. There you go. Yeah. People trusted me. Like with taxes, one of the things that I learned early on is that you have people's vital information a lot of times people don't want you to know what they make or people don't want you to see what they have in their retirement or, you know right. what I'm saying? Right. hundred um, percent. So I didn't take that for granted. Um, but it was, it was definitely an experience. I grew, uh, myself and the gentleman ended up kind of, kind of having odds with one another. And it was <laughs> kind of the best thing for me then. Cause I ended up branching off Okay. a few years after that started, um, a company. My cousin already had the name. Um, but I took it and we ran with it and blew it up. You know, okay. Capital Capital Income Tax was the name of the company. Okay. Um, and so we we branched out and I just took it in the overdrive. So you guys, and did then, you have like a brick and mortar spot or were you working? For, are you working out of home at this point? No, nah, everything brick and mortar. So, so even okay, with so the gentleman, even with the gentleman, we, uh, it was always brick and mortar. I think at first he had like a, a separate office at his house, but man, we're we're an office space after office space after bigger office space, and that was kind of also my introduction into how leasing and the commercial spaces works. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I didn't know that at the time. So now we're getting these bigger and bigger office spaces. I mean, when I left uh, the office with this gentleman, man, we was like 2,000 square foot office. Okay. <laughs> I had already did. At that time, I had, you know, and me and him are now 50-50 partners. Right. So I'm hiring. I have uh, one of my sisters is working for us as a front desk clerk. And I'm kind of giving her the game with the, um, accounting and you know accounts receivables accounts payable. it was crazy because it's like i'm now bringing in my family into this business so i'm right. starting to feel good even more money is always a great tool but when you can um push money or i don't want to say push when you can enhance someone else's life based off of your ability to create money or your job or whatever your company is that's one of the best feelings in the world to me man for sure Thing about being a boss is you're not a boss unless you're taking care of somebody else. That's right. 
Right? That's right. A lot of people running around here with this boss title, like a lot of rappers. I always hear like, "What are you the boss of? <laughs> like, who are you, who are you employing? You know what I'm saying? Right. right. So uh, once I once I grasped that mentality, it was pretty cool. Like I said, we spread my wings, uh, formed the capital income tax, like little satellite offices. We were franchising. I had offices in California. Like <laughs> we were going hard. Oh wow, you know? dope. And this was yeah, I dove into that. That was like my sole business at the time. I I had a nonprofit and some other stuff, but everything kind of went to the back burner. I'm like, taxes, 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 taxes. Let's make this money. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> uh, blessed. Because, I, because man, I, you know, being self-made really is a is something that when you do it yourself and you see the money come in yourself and you, and you look back like, I made how much? So, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? These tentacles that you've built. Uh, it was pretty good, man, and I, and I felt great. The the light goes off in my head, though. Thing, like this is what I'm here to do, right? Okay. I realized that I can build a business that that should be able to start running by itself, and so I started. I had good people around me, you know, um, in my in my circle. So at this point now, what I'm doing is training other people to do taxes, right? Okay. Now I started to understand what he was doing. It took him a long time to do it me it's a few years i'm like oh yeah i need to train some people i need to these people need to be able to come in here because at this time now that i'm making money man i'm traveling the world i'm, I'm taking trips i'm all right. over seas passports getting filled up <laughs> and i was single bro i'm out here i'm wilding i'm i'm enjoying my life you no know doubt. what i'm saying i'm at no all doubt. the functions if it's the super bowl i'm there if it's the nba all-star i'm there you know right. what i'm saying right so yeah <laughs> it felt good to be good, you know. No what I mean? doubt, no like, doubt. I know that that can only go so far if I'm the one doing all the work. So, uh, started trying to build and progress, and then, uh, like I said, put my hands in a few different things. Fast forward now, I get out of the tax business um, for myself solely, and then kind of wanted to redirect because taxes was draining. Okay, good business could make great money if done correctly, but there's a, there's a lot of different things that go into place. And just like, um, you know, they have tax preparers aren't, you know, there's, there's, there's good. And then there's bad. And then there's the ugly with any right. business, right? And the ugly with the tax business is the IRS. Gotcha. I mean, and just like, you know, uh, they have, they make stuff difficult because, and because of how everything is written up for those that don't know, I'll give you a little quick insight. The tax world is is written by um, state and, and like government officials, but the it's not governed by anything. We always say it's a federal thing, but it's not really governed. The IRS isn't governed by anybody. It's like its own entity. They can write their own rules. They can make their own uh, whatever they want, whenever they want. And so that's one of those things that comes into place. People always ask like, oh, is this a tax break or can I do this or I should be able to do this? doesn't matter what you think you should be able to do. If they say that today it's it's unworthy, you can't do it, you don't have a fight. It's right. just, it is what it is. Right. Because you can't take it to no place and they're going to change their mind. You can go to Supreme Court and all this other type of stuff, but eventually um, you're going to get the same result. So for me, that was like hard to, to fathom, like I can't fight against anything with these people. How good am I going to be going forward? I always see these commercials with Optima Tax Relief, yeah. where, they're, where they're funneling people 
and taking people's money saying that they can give you, you know, these great benefits or whatever. It's not true though. Mm. Right. They can only do the same thing that you can do as a person. Right. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, people perish for the lack of knowledge. So anyway, get out of that. Right. Um, I'm trying to find another industry to kind of jump into. And at the time, trucking was looking real good. I knew some, some guys that had their own trucks, but they were owner operators. You know, I know a buddy from the Air Force that uh, when we got out, I'm talking about my, this is one of, one of my good buddies. We got out, he drove a truck. And then he was trying to get me to drive trucks back then. I was like, yep, nah. Wasn't with it. Didn't I mean that just wasn't one thing. This this cat went from one truck to owning two trucks, buying a fat crib in Virginia. He's from Cali. Right. Buy a fat crib in Virginia, ended up with like four or five trucks to the point he was doing so good that we lost touch. <laughs> right. So Garrison, if you're out there, holler at me, bro. I got my truck game right. There you go. But <laughs> um, so I remember that in the back of my mind and uh a couple of years ago I, I started a uh moving company, uh, Royalty Relocation Services. And, What's it called? Royalty? Royalty Relocation Services. Okay. Got you. Right. I started that with a, um, out here solely um, in Texas, but the work that I had was from my buddy in California, San Diego. He was doing moves. Um, he was ex-military too, uh, ex-Marine. And uh, he had so much work that was coming in that he needed extra help. Okay. To, Know, reached out to me because he knew I was, uh, or he felt like I was a good business guy. You know what I mean? I knew him from high school as well. So I put some trucks over there, had some management issues going on over there. And then him and I kind of fell out because I was trying to push um, business a different type of way than he wanted to push it, you know? Okay. So I, I fell back and I was like, all right, I'm going to pause. Business still existed, but I'm just going to pause. Don't really know how I want to move just yet. Um, got another opportunity. Uh, doing box trucks, moving uh, furniture and stuff like that for Sears, delivering the washers and dryers. So I put a couple of guys on that. That was here in Texas, um, in the Austin area. Finally, again, as you're listening, you know, all these jobs, I'm telling you, I wasn't the one working, right? <laughs> I just, I know how to like position myself to not be the worker in that degree. Like I didn't want to be that person. Okay. Right? I always, what intrigued me about business or entrepreneurs, um, you know, people that we consider moguls or that I consider moguls anyway, that a lot of times you see these people, they're just, what, what you see is just the glitz and the glamour. You don't see the behind the scenes. You don't see the extra work that they put in. Um, and I'll use Diddy for an example, Puff Daddy. You see Diddy, he's always having a good time. You know what I mean? Uh, or he's chilling at his crib. Like social media is crazy because now you get the opportunity to kind of see Right. I mean, he's, you know, he's having a good time. He's at the beach. He's got his kids, whatever. But you don't know what kind of grind Diddy has off that camera. Right. Right. But but whatever he's doing is working. That's a fact. Right. So the man had cologne. The man had uh, clothes. The man had a, a, a great music career as a as a uh, CEO. Still still does music. You know what I mean? He's in the fashion. The dude got his hand in uh, real estate. Like, there's a ton of stuff that Diddy does that most people don't know. Right. So I'm looking at this like, all right, that's kind of my aim. I want to I want to kind of be a Diddy. You right. know what I'm saying? I think <laughs> gotcha. that he has a, a successful career. He's making money. He's establishing himself in different ways or whatever. And I want to be able to, to, to do that type of thing. So now you, you understand my mindset when I'm talking about 
these different companies. I'm just kind of kind of jumping, trying to find my niche that's going to be able to leverage some income. Then I got into 18 wheelers after the box trucks because it wasn't really making me the money that I wanted. It was more headache than it was um, anything else. Jumped into 18 wheelers. I don't know nothing about the 18 wheeler over the road business. Right. But I had a guy, older guy that offered me opportunity to get a truck for like $10,000. I told him, give me a week, came up with the money and uh, jumped into the truck business with a busted truck. You know what I okay. mean? Okay. <laughs> Issues galore. I'm I'm oozing money out because I, I let this dude sucker me into buying a, like a, basically a salvage truck, you know? Uh, so I feel your pain for all you new truck owners who are out there or getting into the truck business because somebody else kind of bamboozled you as well. I've been there. Right. It took me a minute to get to where I'm at, but um, <laughs> I, even from the same guy, I got bamboozled again. Not only did I buy a busted truck, but he's like, Hey, you need a refrigerator trailer. I'm like, what do we? Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got one for you. It's 10 grand. I'm up with this 10 grand for this, this damn trailer and the trailer don't even work. Oh my God. I'm sitting on a, a busted truck with a <laughs> jacked up trailer. Can't make no money. I'm I just out of twenty thousand dollars. And from those horrible mistakes, I was like myself, I had a partner at the time, still got a partner. His name's Dwayne. Uh, we're we're kind of looking at each other like how we get here. Right. Right. But but how do we get out? That's one thing I, I love about him. Um he's a solution based guy. So he's like, all right, we here, it sucks. How do we go forward? And that was one of our things that we're just like, okay, well, we know what not to do. Let's just go ahead and get our own truck. So then I went out, we established um, our first truck from a from a company, and uh, they they beat us, right? They beat us um, with the interest rates or whatever that they that they gave us a truck for. But it was a good truck, Freightliner. Okay. And uh, was it a brand business. new truck? And nah, it was a. It was a 2015 Freightliner. Okay, 2015. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, 2015 Freightliner Cascadia. Oh, put a pause there. Right before this, somebody else told us that we needed to get dump trucks because dump truck work is good in Texas. You can work, you can make all this money, blah, 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 less fuel, less this. So we go out and spend $50,000 on dump trucks. <laughs> these Get these all black dump trucks from Louisiana. We pay the drivers to drive them back from Louisiana to Houston blow a tire on the way back. Like I'm so much stuff, bro. I'm telling you that we had to learn like on the fly. I don't know nothing about this business, mind you. So yeah. all the money that's being spent is, is coming from my other business or his other business. We just knowing that eventually we could get this thing to work. We'll be all right. And right. Uh, <laughs> the dump trucks completely was a bust for us. It was like we had good contracts for a second, but if it rains, no dump truck work. Right. right. And that could be two or three days. So two that's two or three days, we're not making income. That's not good. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the 18 wheeler thing is like we can run in the rain, in the snow, whatever the, the weather predicts, we can still run that. So that's when we went out and got the the freight liner. From the freight liner, boom, it finally is like, Thank you, God. We got this one driver, he's great, he's just driving all over the world. <laughs> Wherever we're telling this little kid to go, he's going. We didn't right. know nothing about dispatch, and so we had we're, we're figuring that little piece out. Um, so but, you guys are working off the load board at this point. Yeah, we we're trying to figure out what the load board is. <laughs> we didn't even really understand. You know what I'm saying? Because we had put so much trust into other people, we right. didn't know nothing. 
Right. So now we're figuring everything out on the fly. The okay. insurance rates, why this is so high and you know what I mean? Low boards. We downloading BS low boards because nobody's giving us the game of which low boards are the best low boards. Right. Right. Um, so 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 when you bought this truck, what was your plan? I mean, because you had to have something in your mind like, all right, we're going to buy this truck and we're going to do what? Like, what was the plan? Even if it didn't work out, what was the plan? Passive income. OK, now I, I get that. But what was the exact plan? Like, what did you plan to do with the truck? How did you plan to make money with the with the truck when you bought it? The 18 wheeler with the 18 wheeler. Like, uh, did you just say, okay, we're going to buy the truck and then we're going to jump on? Because if you didn't know, really know about the low boards, like, how did you think that you were going to make money with the truck? Okay. All right. So the guy that bamboozled us, <laughs> he was, he used to tell us that they have these low boards that you get your loads from. And he would show us like printouts of what a low board looks like, but he never gave us what low boards to use. Okay. Right. Okay. So we knew that it was out there and we knew that we needed what was called a dispatcher. We had never done it. If it wasn't going to be us, then we needed to find somebody that could do it with our company. And so, okay. uh, you know, at first we're finding like, like little odd name people that said they can do it for a percentage a week or all that type of stuff. At this point, we had already lost so much money. I don't care what somebody was offering. Uh, wherever it is a week, we'll take it. Just make sure that this truck runs. We'll figure right. it out later. Right. That was kind of like our motto, which was a horrible motto. So don't follow <laughs> that. <laughs> do not follow that one. That's not the one you need to do. Um, and then we ended up getting uh, kind of positioned with Amazon at the time, you know, at the end of uh, 2019, uh, we're towards the end, like I would say September, October, Amazon had some work out here and they were really pushing it. So we we're like, okay, let's jump with Amazon. We met with a, a young lady who was one of the dispatchers for them. And um, it was actually, she was a, she was a dispatching company. Okay. So now we're being aware that there's other people out here that make money. Okay. Our dispatchers, and she had her own little company, but she had a plug with Amazon that she was able to put us on. And for us, that was good because we're making we went from making no money to at least you know three four thousand dollars for the truck a week. Right. Minus expenses, then we're then we're going back down to you know five hundred to a thousand dollars. But again, we didn't get into this to get rich. We got into it to make passive income. If we can make five hundred a week, that was good money for us because. This was just supplemental for whatever we wanted to do. Right. Right. All right. So, um, and again, like I said, a lot of, a lot of the things that we learned on the fly. So when Amazon started realizing that it sucked, uh, we're, we're trying to, trying <laughs> to, I mean, suck. no, no knock on the people that are with Amazon, but for us, what we're trying to do, right. Amazon was a lot, especially for our drivers. Cause at this point now I'm going through drivers, like, water just turn on our water faucets millions of drivers seems like we're just going through them because they were pissed okay a lot of the drivers were over the road drivers that we were hiring and amazon was was saying that it was over the road but they would you'd have a pickup and then you had to deliver seven times before the drop and it wasn't paying a whole bunch of money it was, you know six seven hundred dollars for you to deliver six different stations and the drivers are like man i'm working too hard for this you know the money that we were paying them and yeah. i agreed <laughs> right, right. I agreed. So uh, we found um, a dispatching company that we've been with now for a year, uh, uh, and they've been fantastic. Um, they're they're on top of our drivers. They're on top of our loads. They make sure we had a real heart to heart with them. Though, like, this is what we want to make a week at a minimum per truck. Okay. If we're not making that, then we don't need to pay you guys. Right. 
right? And they understood where we were coming from, but it, it was basically in order for us to be successful and not be in the hole, this is what we need to be able to make as a company. Obviously, anything over this is fantastic, but we need to make at least this. Gotcha. You know, and push that agenda with them so that they understood where we come, where we're coming from. So um, we've, we've done that and we've been blessed to be able to go from that one faithful truck um, to now, well, excuse me, we have nine now. Um, just recently, we just acquired another, well, last week, we acquired another three that puts us at 12. And then yeah. I have another three. We'll, we'll be, by the end, this is uh, now August. By the end of August, we'll be at a fleet of 15. Okay. Okay. This is one plus year in the game. Yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy. I mean, because this story just moves so fast. You go from one truck that you have no idea what to do with it a year <laughs> ago to 12 now <laughs> yeah. a year later. So how, how, how does that happen? How do, how do we scale so fast? How, how, how is that possible? Because I mean, people, I mean, and it all, like, do you tell me, how, how does somebody yeah. scale from one to 12 in one year with, with so, with the, with the lack of knowledge that you had at that time, obviously you yes. learned along the way, but what, what happened in your business to be able to make you scale like that in that way? Uh, so I will attribute a lot of that to being a good businessman beyond this business, right? Okay. And having a good business partner that, because there's a lot of conversations that happen and late in the, in the night <laughs> where we're like, what's next? And, and then the same thing that you're asking us, we were asking each other, how do we, how do we increase this profit? What do we really want to do with this? Because we're seeing the potential with this one truck. Right. So we're like, okay, well, if we have four, we'll be good. You know what right. I'm saying? Then, right. then when that four turns into six, it's like, but if we have six, We'll be even, you know, so now we're starting to look at the truck business for what it what it really can do. Um, the, the different rates that's out there. We're learning about rates per mile um, and kind of how that plays into being successful, learning about, the, you know, understanding that getting paid from the trucks is less miles, more money. Right. right? But for a good rate. And, and then also learning we're dealing with different drivers and whatnot. So as a businessman. Um, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. My parents were not rich. They're still not rich, right? They they both were just workers. Um, so I didn't. I couldn't go ask my parents for any money. It's not like one of those scenarios. But as a businessman, what we have to do is use other people's money to help your business. And so we created an investment uh, opportunity for um, people that look like us that may have capital, but don't have the ability or don't have the wherewithal to know about trucking, but to be able to get uh, a profit from their investment. And the way the truck world works, as you know, is um, trucks get paid daily. Well, you have the ability to make money daily. And then we factor. So we factor our loads pretty much daily and then weekly. And we pay our drivers out weekly. So the truck makes money on a per week basis. And this is how we pay our drivers. This is how we, we take out, uh, I could go through a whole bunch of accounting things, but anyway, we, on a weekly basis, the truck profits and or doesn't profit, right? And for our accounting purposes, this is how we manage it, right? Some people do it differently, but for us, this is what works. So we're seeing what's coming in and we're like, okay, so we if we get X, Y, and Z amount of money from any investor, what will we use the money for? So that was the first thing. And then it, then it was, 
how do we pay an investor if they decide to come in for whatever we're asking them how do we how do we pay them is it a percentage is it you know there's a lot of different pros pros and cons that come with it because we're we're responsible for everything right uh literally you know the maintenance and blah 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 the fuel the drivers if something happens you know this is all underneath our authority right so it doesn't matter about them being a silent investor basically they're just giving us the money to implement properly but what people want to know is how to get a good ROI for their money. And a lot of smart business people, you know, some people invest in stocks, but stocks, game. I mean, every once in a while you might get lucky and get something that's, that pops for you. But stocks is long-term money. That's wealth building, literally. Also, you got to remember that the common person puts their money in a bank and gets 0.04% at the end of the year, you know, you got ten thousand dollars in the bank. They send you a check for four grand. I mean, uh, for four dollars, basically, like, thank you for your interest in, <laughs> into this savings account. You're like, this is all the money I made for this right. year. That's a fact. That's a fact. Right. So we just wanted to to be able to be fair, and I think our conversation um, for investors is phenomenal because if I was an investor, which I am. But if I, if I was coming in, somebody presented me with something like this and I had the money to do it or credit to go get the money to do it, I would do it. And so that's one of those things. I, I have a consulting business. Part of the consulting business was credit based. So teaching people how to um, improve their credit and or uh, get the desired score and then kind of business building. Like, what are you going to do with the credit? Do you have a business? You need to you need to be able to get business capital. So you get business capital from credit cards and our loans for your business based off of your credit. So this is what I'm teaching people that look like me. So quite naturally, the investors that I, it just kind of happens radically as well, having conversations with random people that were, that were always asking me, like, Ryan, what are you doing? You know, I haven't seen you post or I haven't seen this. You've been kind of tucked away. What's going on? I'm like, oh, I'm in the trucks. They're like, oh, yeah, I saw you had some dumb trucks. I'm like, nah, sold those. <laughs> The whole 18 wheeler thing right now, and this is what I got going on. They're like, oh, that sounds cool. People are always interested um, in what I got my hands in. That's a blessing. And I take that uh, as humble as I can because, you know, nobody has to follow me or pay attention to what I'm doing. But I'm I'm grateful that God has allowed me a little light over me that, you know, people are like, let's watch him and see what happens. Right. 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 Because of of my life, it's kind of been like a roller coaster. I've been able to have. I've not also been back to the bottom where I have not based right. off poor decisions, bad choices, you know, horrible decision making, bad accounting. You know what I mean? Just being a young kid trying to get himself together. Um, circa doing good business now. People are interested in what's going on. So presented a couple of opportunities to a few a few people. And that's how we got the capital to go get these trucks, the extra trucks. Gotcha. Right? Now, we use our own money as well, obviously, because, you know, the percentage is cut out. But then we got some money from a couple of investors that came in with and they understood the vision and they trusted us was the biggest thing. Right. Got you. So we're able to scale. But from scaling, we're able to build our foundation, which allows us to do what I'm doing now, just talking to you, not even looking at my phone, worried about what my truck drivers are doing, where they're at, whatever, because I pay a dispatch service to take care of all of that. I don't have to worry about what they're doing because it's what I pay somebody for. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right, right, right. Now that's a fact. So, so, so you were smart and you use group economics to basically scale and, and scale fast. Um, got, got some investors. So 
Um, that's dope. That's dope. And so you have a, you use a dispatch service. Is this a big dispatch service? Is it like a smaller service? Like what kind of dispatch service are you using? Do they, do they have a lot of trucks underneath underneath their um their dispatch or? So I would consider it mom and popish. Um, the these dispatch service that we use were once uh, drivers. Their okay, husband and okay. wife team. They used to drive in the industry for 15 years. They were team drivers. Oh, dope. And then I guess they something kind of struck them to start their own dispatch service. Um, they're out of Tennessee, and they have a few people that work with them as well. Um, at recently, as as two weeks ago, I mean, I talked to them pretty much daily during the week, um, and occasionally on the weekend or whatever. But they've told us a couple of different times that we're the biggest fleet that they manage now. Got and you. Because we keep scaling that they're able to hire more people. Got so you. Again, um, they were, they had, I mean, at first we had two trucks when we came to them. And so they were dealing with a couple of different owner operators that had like, you know, one truck, two trucks. So I, I imagine they didn't have a whole lot, but then we came over there with two and scaled to, you know, nine, now right. 12. They're like, you know, <laughs> dope, right. dope. Good. Every everybody wins. Do do they have um? Do do you guys have dedicated lanes, or are yes. you do? Or are you just like playing, still playing the low board? You got you working dedicated lanes. Half and half. I have half of the trucks working with a with a lane with uh UPS. Okay. And they're out of the Midwest right now. Mind you, my drivers are from everywhere. Okay. All right. So um, the company is based in Texas, but my drivers are from everywhere. I have no trucks in Texas right now. Got you. All the trucks are over the road. Got you. Got okay. you. So the other trucks that are not with UPS, um, yes, they use a load board. You know, uh, we've taken loads from a lot of the different companies that are out there. You're here. If you're getting into the business or you're in the business, you're here. JB Hunt, Schneider, um, a lot. Uh, TQL. Like we, we deal with a lot of the big dogs now. Um, and then there's, you know, there's great other companies that need to get product shipped and moved and all that other good stuff. So, you know, that's, that's their job to make sure that those trucks are doing that. Obviously now what I've, what I've realized with this business is myself and my partner focus on during the week is trying to establish those uh, contracts and or lanes that will solidify us for a few years. Um, that's the, that's the nature of the beast. And I guess I'm blessed to be able to start so, to learn this early to focus our attention on that. We've just recently um, started applying for our 8A, um, which allows us uh, minority status with these government contracts. There's a ton of work out here. There's a lot of government contracts that are out here. And for you minority business owners in the truck field, and even not in the truck field, you need to get your 8A, establish your 8A, become the uh, minority-based business in whatever your field is and see what kind of government contracts that are out there because the government has set aside a certain amount that they have to give us. Right. All right. They have to give it to us once we have our paperwork together. So as businessmen and women that are out here talking about what we want to do and how we want to live, we have to play the game. We didn't, we didn't create this game, but you got to play the game um, the right way. Now, once you right. get in the game, you can maneuver and kind of change some things up because you're inside of the game. Right. But, you, but in order to get in the game, you got to be able to do the paperwork and the things that's necessary. So a lot of the businesses that I've seen fold uh, in this truck world have folded just because they didn't do their paperwork. Their foundation was horrible. You know, a lot of little things that were missing. And for us, we've been blessed again. I say, blessed. I mean, it's hard work. Yeah. Um, but, but I still say we've been blessed because of the people that we've been meeting and coming in contact with that are able to uh, 
give us game that we might not know. Got you. Got you. And you like you have military and you have minority status as well. That's correct. So that yeah. that's that's a double whammy, especially when it comes to the government contracts and stuff like that. Yeah, the veteran the veteran uh, minority based business is definitely cool. I love using that status <laughs> on paperwork when I'm filling it out. <laughs> They're no like, doubt. "Oh, he's an African American and a veteran." Don't forget that. Like, oh, Don't forget yeah, that veteran. exactly. Right, right. A hundred percent. That's dope. So, when, with 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 the trucks, do you guys uh, are you guys financing your trucks? or Are you leasing the um the additional units? So, um, yeah, they're financed. Okay. Um, the word lease kind of gets thrown around. I mean, some the way the contracts read, some of them will say lease, but they're all financed. Okay. Right. They like they might tell you that you're on a 36 month lease. Yeah, but in the 36 months, we paid the truck off, so the truck is ours. So, okay. It's financed for intent gotcha. purposes. So the tr- you you guys will own the trucks. You're not turning the trucks. Yes, sir. These Penske or riders will be ours. Yeah, right. yeah, titles and everything is gonna be under royalty. So uh, the name of the name of the trucking business is Royalty R Enterprises. Ro- royalty so, R Enterprises. Royalty R Enterprises. Yeah. Okay. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, our, all titles and all that stuff will be under the business uh, once once they're completed, uh, completely paid off. Um, and most of my trucks, all three year leases are three year uh, terms. So thirty six months. We should definitely be able to make more than enough money to do it, which we we will. We are. Right. Right. Um, the truck pays for itself. That's the other thing, man. Like I said, is learning business and, and learning. I'm a numbers guy. So my thing and my partner as well, um, our, our goals is like to make everything. If we have a truck, make the truck pay for itself. We don't want to come out of pocket for uh, insurance or a truck note if the truck is running the truck to be able to make enough money to pay for its own insurance pay for its own truck note pay for its own dispatch you know what i'm saying right and cover its fuel plus the driver right we got to come out of pocket with something our truck's not doing something right right that's a fact what's, Outside been, of the maintenance. what's been the biggest challenge for you with the in the trucking business um the biggest challenge is just locking down good contracts um, one of the, I'll say a big hill that we had to know and, and overcome was, uh, maintenance. That's a big thing because I get phone calls at three o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the morning, you know, um, just weird hours about a tire blowing AC units or different things like that take place. Trucks, trucks are all different. I have a fleet of trucks that all look alike, right. uh, 2016 and 2015 Freightliners. Cascadia is pretty much all similar, right? right? Uh, have right at this point, I have half automatic trucks and half uh, manual. Okay, but it seems like you have to know because we're getting used trucks and not buying a hundred eighty thousand dollar brand new truck that there's wear and tear on them. Right, right. Now we're getting them at great mileage. We're getting them at four hundred thousand, maybe a couple of them at half a million miles. But um, so, you know, somebody put some miles on there. So you, you're going to have a couple of things that you're going to have to take care of. Right. Right. To, to kind of keep it where it needs to be. And that was one of the big things at first, because we weren't really prepared to to see that. Mm. Like we were making money and literally all of it be gone because we had a repair this week. I'm like, oh, man, this ain't right. We got to figure this out. <laughs> so right. that's why I'm saying to to the uh, the new owners out there or, you know, CEOs of these truck businesses, small fleet owners to understand that maintenance is big. But if you, we, you know, we have credit, 
Uh, so we were able to, you know, establish a business credit card and use that for maintenance. And then, you know, as the, as the business is making money weekly, we just pay the credit card down. Right. Got you. What, do you have any strategy when you're buying your trucks? Like, like, do you bring a mechanic with you? Like, what do you do? Because you're buying used and older trucks. How, how do you go about that when you're looking for a truck to add to the fleet? So our truck yard, we have two truck yards in Houston, Texas. One of our truck yards um, has our mechanics on property. They're certified Mack, Volvo, and Freightliner mechanics. Okay. Um, the here in Houston, Freightliner and um, well, let's just stop right there. So Freightliner here in Houston uses our mechanics to certify their trucks. Mm, okay. So before they put them on the resale, they use my mechanics to clean them up, fix them, get them, get whatever's wrong wrong. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, whatever's wrong right. Fix and then they use once they're certified by our mechanics, then they put them on the lot to sell. So a lot of these trucks, before I even purchase them, I know that they're good because my mechanics were like, "Yo, we just we just did seven trucks for Freightliner this week. Go holler at them if you want some new trucks." Got you. So, they use the same the same mechan- the same company that you use Freightliner uses. Yeah, which is very. That's not normal. Like yeah, I said. yeah, yeah, yeah. This we we found out about these guys. During the uh, our experience with the dump trucks, okay, you know, somebody told us that these these guys had a truck yard that they were trying to fill up, and we needed a place to park these big old dump trucks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how we built our relationship. And then we found yeah. out that there were the mechanics. They had uh, like four or five bays right there on there. I'm like, oh, this is great. This could be on site mechanic services. Then we found out that they have the direct plug with Freightliner. So apparently they've been doing work, good work for a while. Because this company is not just gonna use you gotcha uh, you know yeah, what i mean unless, sure. i mean especially not freightliner that, that's, exactly. that's a fact um how, how are you doing with drivers our site uh royaltyrelocate.com for any drivers that's out there listening right now if you look at work go on there click on apply now shameless plug all right so our- <laughs> hey man you gotta do that man make it happen i know drivers are hard to come by man any opportunity man, you ain't lying gotta plug good it. drivers are there hard to go. come by right so uh, we use our direct site and we also use um, what we'll call recruiters. So we'll, you know, obviously we pay for different recruiter services from all over the, the country uh, where we're staffing and we okay. tell them basically what we're looking for. You know, at least two years of driving experience, um, clean MVR record, because without a clean MVR record, I can't hire you anyway. My right. insurance guy is going to tell me no. Right but a clean MVR record for at least a year and a half, two years they would like, right? But I know a lot of the older guys might have infractions, not all, but some, uh, and ladies, because I have ladies that work for us too. Um, but that's kind of how it works. So if we know we're going to get a batch of trucks, we'll enlist the recruiters. Like, hey, you outsource that whole hiring process pretty much. You guys don't have to deal with it. Yeah. So if you haven't understood anything that I've told you guys you yet. outsource everything. You hear me? <laughs> something, something I learned that was very smart. And um, again, one of the moguls told me, staff your weaknesses. And I learned that from Diddy. If it's something that you don't know and I'm not good at, I'm not going to fake the fuck like I'm good at it. Right. But I'm going to pay somebody that is great at it right, to right, get it right. done. Right. Right. How much, so, do you, how much do you pay for a driver lead with these these companies, these recruiters? Do you pay them like on a, on a like, how do you pay them? How does it work? So I don't pay them per, per the lead. We pay them if we actually hire them. Okay. 
if we hire different ones, we'll, we might give them a hundred bucks. Some okay. of them, depending on how good the driver is, and and if they're good, uh, if the lead was just that amazing, like this driver just comes amazing, then we'll give them four or five hundred dollars. Okay. You know? Okay. Um. So it's negotiable. It depends on how how good the recruiter is. If the recruit if the recruiter's negotiation skills is lackadaisical, then we're gonna give you a lackadaisical bonus. Right. But if you're a good negotiator, then we'll, I mean we'll play ball because I wanna I wanna help, but I'm not, I don't want to get screwed in the in the game either. Right. In the long run. Right. You yeah. don't want this guy. You want some kind of driver retention also. Exactly. I mean, you can so, pay for this guy and then he could walk off the job. You know, the the same week he he came on. So we learned that that skill too because I never had anybody walk off, but I had had a driver that was horrible that, that we hired based off of a recruiter that I had to fire. Um, so instead of paying them initially, you know, the whole advance up front, we'll make them wait a couple of weeks. Got you. Got You're going to give us two weeks with this driver to see if this driver is even what we want. Right. So are these recruiters like independent workers or are they working with a company? A lot of them you'll find are independent. They have they, like this is their business is just to to be to driver. Like, head, like headhunters. Exactly. Yeah. So they're however they're getting their leads or whatever, like whether it's in there's a lot of good. Uh, on Facebook, there's these chat groups with um, drivers that I have no clue about, right? And my partner <laughs> always tells me about, like, it's like this black hole of just truck drivers <laughs> and truck world on Facebook. Yeah, they're yeah. all out there. So these there's a lot of a lot of truck there. driver communities on Facebook for sure. Yeah. Anyway, these these people are out there and they're pretty good at what they do. Apparently, uh, right. of creating their flyers or however they market to get these truck drivers to contact them or whatnot. And there's gotcha. a lot of truck drivers out here. Um, from all different facets. Like I said, we have, well, the businesses here in Houston, we have two drivers out of all the drivers I've ever had. We have two that are actually from Houston now. Okay. Okay. Got you. So you've been, for for the most part, like how's the turnaround with your guys? Do they stay for a little while or like? Yeah, we don't, we don't. Listen, I'm a good boss. (laughs) Okay. I was going to say, so they they stay around. So why is that? What's the secret sauce to retaining um, drivers? I would say that it's being, we're personable right now because we're a smaller fleet company. So if you get out here to play with the big boys, you realize that you're just a number. They don't really care about what you have to say. You're not going to ever talk to the owner of the company. You're going to have to put in a request to do something through HR or through whoever your driver advocate is or whatever the case may be. When we hire drivers, you're going to talk to myself or my partner who's going to interview you. It's going to be okay. one of the two. Okay. When we fly you into the truck down here in Houston to put you in the truck, one of us is going to pick you up. So you're already dealing with the president or the vice president of the company. Right. 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 And it's funny because we'll never tell them that off, off the top. We just kind of pick them up, have conversations with them, take them to the hotel, put them in the hotel. And they're looking at black guys do this. So they're kind of confused. Like, oh, man, you guys are pretty cool. Like, how is it working for the company? I'm looking at them like, yeah, the company's great. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what do you think? You know what I'm saying? I just right. picked you up from the airport right now, take you to the hotel for the right. night. We'll meet up in the morning, give you a fuel card. We'll go over the rules and regulations, the procedures, policies and procedures that we have in place. And uh, you get you on your way. You just set up with dispatch, blah, 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 blah. They're like, okay, cool. And the next day we get to doing that. You know, I might throw them in advance, depending on where we're where we're hiring them from, how how long is business they work? Might throw them a couple of dollars. You go, man. You know, some of the trucks have uh, refrigerators in them. Fill up the refrigerator. You know, make sure you're good to go for the week. Paydays every Friday. Da-da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Right. But it's, but it's all about being personable. If you got an issue with the truck, call us. Yeah. 
yeah. I saw that if you have an issue with the load, you talk to dispatch. Gotcha. And we set that up up front. So I believe it's just our processes that keeps the drivers because if I had a shady process, nobody would want to work for us. But right. our processes are pretty cool. Obviously, we can always get better, which we try to do every day. But for for a driver to be able to pick up the phone and talk to the owner of the company, I literally some of my drivers call me just to talk. <laughs> who 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 put these systems in place? Like how, how how did you build these systems? Like like you said, like your policies, your procedures. Like, do you have like a driver handbook? Like, how how did you how did you do all that? So I'm I'm gonna shout out uh, my boy uh, Truck Estates. That's my man, Eric. Yeah, Eric, Eric, Eric Ball. Ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he, he, he was on the show. He was on the show earlier. Um, was he? Where? Yeah, yeah. He's like know. episode, I want to say like 18 and 19. Yeah, Truck Estate. He's, yeah. he's on the show. Yeah, dude is phenomenal. Uh, and he blessed us with a with a, a ridiculously dope um, policy and procedure book, basically for our drivers. Good. It's a good um, orientation book as well. And it's one of those things that will save you or your company as a small fleet owner sometimes we as a small business owner even uh, we, we know a lot of us will know how to start businesses but we don't know how to put things in place to make sure the business stays active right because right? with all businesses you're, you might have a something that happens a hiccup or whatever the things that we don't want to happen can typically happen it's how you what do you have in place to protect yourself when those things happen right right and so that was one of those things that we were able to put in place with him with the policies and procedures. Um, most everything else that we, our system that we've had in place has been trial and error. Like I told you, we came into the game getting screwed. So we knew what we didn't want to do. We didn't want to get screwed and we didn't want to screw other people. So because we didn't want to do that, we made sure that we either hired people to give us the game that we needed or because we got screwed, we knew what to look over here for and make sure that we position ourselves not to do it. And like right. I said, uh, my partner is really good with that. He's Jamaican. And I only say that because Jamaicans are aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> and they have right. a lot of jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of jobs. Oh, they got a lot of jobs, bro. A lot of jobs. <laughs> How did you meet Eric? Because he's he's in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, right? Um. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's. He, I guess he moves around because he's with the uh, DLT or whatever. But Yeah. Um, he, uh, so I, I have a branding lady. Who I'm using now, um, and Declared Marketing is the name of the company. Okay, she is amazing, uh, Miss Chastity Mims, and I found her. Well, actually, I don't say I found her. We're at a farmers market. I have another business that's we sell flavor pickles or Kool Aid pickles. Right, okay. it's like it's kind of like an old school thing, but it works. Trust me, never in Texas, heard of it. Flavored really Kool-Aid pickles. It's called Mr. Freckles. Mr. Freckles. Is the name okay. of the company, but yeah, for intents and purposes, it's Kool Aid pickles. Okay, right? so like pickles with a Kool Aid flavor. Yeah, is, what you saying is, I guess I'm gonna let you make I'm, it. I'm just trying yeah, to figure it out. Like, is it like I, I I know like I eat pickles all the time and they're good, but right. like exactly Kool Aid in the pickle is that how? Yeah, it like like soaked in Kool Aid basically. And I mean, I say I'm saying it like that. There's that's obviously a process. So for these other people that might wanna, they can do it too. That's yeah. cool. But there's a process to it we that we got down packed. Right. So the the pickles are flavored. Is do, this like we, proprietary? We, like this is something that you do specifically, or is this something that's yeah, out like company, popular? Our company does it, right? So we yeah we got it packaged and all of that good stuff. We got trademarks now. 
But can you like find this anywhere or is it something that you make specifically? That's what I'm saying. So so we make our own specifically. Obviously, there's a couple other companies that there's okay. one lady in California that has one that's she's really popular in LA. But she's dope, right? And there's okay. another there's we had knockoffs. There's a there's a there's a company here in Houston that would love to be us. <laughs> so they're out there, but they're not us. They're pickles okay. for trash. But anyway. Okay. What's the so, name of this business again? So everybody hears it. What's Ms. it called? Mr. Freckles. Mr. Freckles. Freckles. Kool-Aid pickles. Yeah, Mr. Freckles. Dope. I got I got to try those, man. That sounds interesting. Come, listen, I'll send you a couple of them, but you come to Houston, I got you on me. Okay. You good. We got Dope. alcohol pickles too, alcohol infused pickles, Ciroc, uh, Crown, um, Patron. Just different flavors, man. We got like original flavors, just Kool-Aid. We have like over 19 flavors now. Oh, dope. Yeah. So, but at any rate, so I meet um, at the farmer's market. We're promoting the pickles not too, not too long ago. And uh, Miss Chastity comes up to the table. She's obviously heard and tasted these pickles before, unbeknownst to me, right? There's a lot of people that, in the city that had these pickles because at one point you could only get them at, at one place. So right. you had to come over here to this neighborhood to get it and stand in this line to get them. Now we got them in like 40 stores. So, She's there. I meet her kind of oddballish. And my business partner, his wife is with me at the table. She's like, oh, that lady says she does marketing. I'm like, OK, so I talked to her. Then she's like, you know, she doesn't know who I am. Right. Things I'm working at the table. So I'm talking <laughs> to her about, hey, you know what? I need some marketing. And she was like, yeah, I met you at the Frickles table. I was like, yeah, that's my table. She was yeah. like, what? You know, yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> company. What are you talking about? Right. She was like, oh, my God. So. We just hit it off and connected. She had good vibes. Um, and she's doing the branding now for myself, Ryan, personally. Right. Because a, I do a lot of different things. and Like I your personal brand. Right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And I consider her my um, my personal Karen Civil. Okay. Cassidy is dope. <laughs> you know that's a saying? fact. Yeah. That's a fact. So that's, she actually introduced me to, to the truck estates and also yourself. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I would say she's worth her weight in gold because uh, hundred percent. Put me with some solid brothers. hundred percent, hundred percent. That's dope. That's dope. All right. So okay. So I, I see the connection here. That's dope. Yeah. So the Kool Aid pickles. I gotta check that. All right. So this is a good question, man. Like, well, I don't want to toot my own horn. And say a good question. I don't know. It's good. We'll see if it's a good question. <laughs> it <laughs> might be. You <laughs> thought it was good. It might be good. Right. How do you juggle all these things, man? Like. You have the the, the 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 trucking business going. You have the Kool Aid pickles. Um, like, how, how do you? What's your approach to juggling all these these multiple businesses? That is a good question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, brother. For real, to be honest with you, some days I think I amaze myself. Um, it's a it's a tenacity and a desire to not go back to working for somebody else. Got you. You know what I mean? That's at the at the core of it, that's what it is. I don't I don't ever have a desire to work for anybody else ever in my life. And so how do you, my, how do you prioritize? How do you prioritize? Well, right now it's based upon time management. Um and also like the importance of this particular week, like what's going on this week. I know the trucks again putting good systems in place helps you, right? There's no way that Jay Z, Diddy, um, let's use Richard Brunson, the guy that owns Virgin, 
you know what I mean? The the plane company slash the music company slash an island. Like just <laughs> can't Bill Gates or Warren Buffett. There's no way possible they could be as successful as they are without having good systems in place. Right. And that means having building a system or a foundation where there's people that are in charge to make sure that they're getting whatever it is that your vision is done. So we're building that for the trucking company. And, um, you know, when I first started, I still spent a lot of time with the trucks because that's, that's, that's the baby that I need to be able to maneuver itself. But it takes, it's still me. I, at the core of a lot of the stuff, I still have to do a lot of different things. So I'm in front of the computer and I'm up at six in the morning. I told you, I get phone calls all throughout the night sometimes, but I'm normally up with the drivers. I know they they get up, so I'm normally up, or at least I set my alarm to be up at six. Uh, this is Monday through Friday. So I normally can go hard with the trucks early in the morning until about eight, nine o'clock. On a good day, I might be done already at eight, and then I can focus in on the other stuff that I have, whether it's consulting. Um, Mr. Freckles, like I said, I have two other partners with that, my boy and his wife. They do a lot of the work for Freckles, man. They're 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 a dope team. Um, is actually that was actually birthed by them. Okay. So I can't necessarily take the credit. This is something that they birthed and allowed me the opportunity to be a partner in. Dope. Um, is there an Instagram but, uh, page for Mr. Freckles? Oh yes, sir. Mr. Freckles uh, at Mr. Freckles. Mr. Um, F R I C K L Z. Okay, I got I check that out. Y'all check that out. Make sure y'all check out Mr. Freckles for sure, especially if you're in the Houston area. Where can people get that? Uh, man, we have over, well, go to mrfreckles.com, same, same spelling, right? Um, or on Facebook, Mr. Freckles. Okay. Uh, so we're on social media. You can order it online. We will, um, deliver it. We do we pay for shipping. If you order online, our shipping is paid for. So we'll get it to you. Uh, we have people all over the world, actually, that are buying these pickles. Dope. Um, Dope. So we, we do ship. Our jars are fantastic. Our packaging is great. Everything is certified. We got the ingredients on there. We got your calorie count and all that good stuff, and <laughs> nutritional facts and labels. Because the goal for Mr. Freckles is to be into uh, major markets now as far as the stores. Gotcha. So, and that's a whole other topic. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so sure. prioritizing the businesses basically is off of off of um, the, the most importance for that particular week or that particular day. You know, but I touch I touch every business at least once a day. Got you. Got you. So you said with the trucking business is usually you get up around six o'clock and usually by eight or nine, you're done. So what are, like, what are those things that you're taking care of during that time that you have to manually touch every day for the, for the trucking business? Well, so we have a good system set up with our dispatch. Uh, Monday mornings, I'm, I'm up at six. They're up a little bit earlier than me. So the people that are not on the dedicated lanes, like we have their routes already. We kind of know what's going on with them. But dispatch is actually up, making sure every driver is getting text. We have a text system set up with the group me app so each driver can text dispatch and dispatch can text them so instead of calling them we text an email so i'm in myself and my partner are all in every individual driver it has a communication open with all the people that dispatch and then us mm. so we kind of just oversee it and we get to see what kind of communication is going on so i might see a message from dispatch going to one of my drivers my driver hasn't responded i can see it's been 10 15 minutes so I'm picking up the phone. I'm calling the driver. Like, hey, what's going on? Da, 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 da. You know, making gotcha. sure that they get that information. Trying to just stay on top of them. And sometimes we're the we're the extra hammer for dispatch because dispatch can tell a driver certain. And they, and they, my driver might feel like, I don't got to listen to you. I'm listening to Ryan <laughs> or listening. You know, that's how it happens. But I have to explain to these drivers that we pay 
these people to do the job that they're doing. So if they're communicating with you to do a certain thing, just do it. Right. At the end of the day, you don't have an option anyway. Right. But, <laughs> but, but do, do what we're paying them to tell you to do. Right. So ultimately, you're just kind of like overseeing what's going on, making sure everything is going according to plan. And, and that's pretty much it. Outside of that, the dispatch company is taking care of the operations. Exactly. And then you taking care of like bills. The, yeah, exactly. the high level yeah. stuff. Obviously, you got to yeah. take care of the bills and yeah. insurance and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a regular basis. Dope. All right. So, so how, how, how big do you see yourself growing, um, uh, Royal? Where, where do you see Royal going? Um, that's a good question because we're asking ourselves that right now. I think we're going to take a pause at 20 trucks because we'll be there in the next couple of months. And then we're going to run the 20 trucks for a while. We don't, I don't have a desire to say that I have a hundred trucks. Um, again, I told you the game for us was just getting in here and making passive income. So I, I didn't really have to be to, you know, build a million dollar business based off of nothing. Now we're going to be there. Right. Um, but you can get caught up when you start growing like we've been and you get blessed how we have been to be uh, in, in this type of growth spurt. But, but you know, you got to know there's growing pains with anything. So we're, I'm trying to get in front of the growing pains. Mm. So we're going to stop at 20. We're going to just build from there, staff from there, get get everything down to a great science, uh, keep the foundation where it needs to be. And uh, we'll see what happens, you know, and if we have a desire to continue to grow from now. I mean, but as far as financially, we'll, we'll be in a great place. Are you still um, using the same model as far as taking outside money to continue to build as you build? Not anymore. Not okay, anymore. Okay, so now, like now you're pretty much self-sustaining itself to where you can build um, on your own with your own funds. So you know, of course, really- yeah, it was just a jump start. That was that was just like well, instead of using our our own capital because we were still using our money, but instead of using just our own capital, is how you can do it. A group economics works in many facets and many fields. Right, um, but. Our investors are pretty ecstatic every Friday. <laughs> right. I can assure you of that. Right. I get they text see, messages, they see a dividend, they just see a pay, they just get a what? paycheck every week. Yeah. And they're good to go. You wake up every week, you invest, you invest in something one time, and you get an investment because our terms is basically like a three-year term. So you invest in something one time, and you get paid out every week that the truck runs for for three years. Right. Got you. And there's not a place in the planet that has an investment opportunity like the one that we presented. Not that gotcha. I know. So this is so they pretty much get their money back and some, or you said there's like a term to where this this partnership ends. Like how does that work? Yeah. So for for most of them, there it's a three year term. Okay. Um, thirty six months uh, term, and as far as them getting their money back, so when before the market. Before or say before COVID, COVID, right? Because this whole pandemic is kind of it, it was crazy for us in the trucking world, or for a lot of people, right, and all over the world. But um, before the pandemic, obviously, you know, uh, one truck can make a hundred thousand dollar profit. It's kind of how we were basing it. Um, now with the whole COVID situation, at first it wasn't looking like that. You were like you get lucky, but the truck numbers are looking better now. It's going back up. So we're what they're getting percentages are basically they're they're making a net um after everything is paid. Okay. Right. Um so that net looks really good some weeks. <laughs> and then it looks and then it just looks average some of the weeks 
for us, but as an investor, you, the fact that you're getting an at what we consider average is phenomenal for you. Right. Because you could, again, you're putting in this money and, and let's say your first year you break even with your money. I don't know another investment still that you can invest your money and get all your money back in right. one year. Right. Right. Not, well, a, not cases, as an investor. In most cases, you're waiting seven to 10 years to get an investment back. Exactly. You're investing in a business specifically. Yeah. Or, or like you said, uh, stocks and all that, it's, it's, it's long-term growth that you're looking at. So. And what's the percentage rate of, of that ROI? Normally, what, 8%? Right. Maybe ten percent return on your money, even with a house. Right. For people that are buying houses, you got to buy, sit on the house for a while. Hopefully, the house might cost you a hundred thousand dollars, and you put a renter in there and make a thousand dollars a month. That's right. twelve thousand dollars a year. Right. How many years is that going to be before you get that hundred thousand dollars back? <laughs> like, not knocking it because it's great income, and the asset that you own is the bigger thing with the housing market. But with this business, you get the the profit is coming back to you in in a year's time. So you have two full years that you're going to make nothing but profit on. Right. W- would you advise people to get into the trucking industry right now? I would advise people to have a, a strong back <laughs> to get into the trucking industry. This is not for weak people. Mm. Right. This is not a business that's I have a ton of people that that kind of watch how I'm moving and everybody thinks that they can do what I'm doing. Oh, this easy to go get a truck. Okay, go try it. Right. Oh, it's easy to go get insurance. Okay, go try it. Oh, it's easy to get lanes. I heard that all the time. Okay, go try it. Right. Oh, it's easy to book a load. Go do it. Right. Right. Oh, oh, my truck's gonna make fifteen thousand dollars a week. Okay. <laughs> Show me where it's at, and then I'll follow you. You know what I'm saying? Where's this yellow brick road you speak of? Right. So, so, and then the uh, the biggest thing is the cost. Most people are not prepared for the cost. This is not a business that you get into without the understanding that you're not going to spend some money. Right. <laughs> it costs a lot of money to get into this business and stay. I have people that came in after me that felt like they could do better than me because they're just looking at me. They don't know the hustle behind it. And they're, they got out quickly mm. or even tried to come over to my company. These are people that I extended the opportunity to a front that turned me down. But now like, you know what? You've been doing, let me put my truck over there. No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How much you, how much you'll charge me to, to lease my truck on? I'm not because we don't want it. <laughs> right. So that's kind of how that works. But, but for, if you're, if you are a good businessman or woman, and you understand business before you get into trucking, I would advise you to get into the truck world, mm. right? Because you can, you can definitely make some money. And I would tell the person, don't get, don't, don't get into this business with greed. But if you get into the business thinking greedy, it's not going to work for you. What do you mean by that? Expound on that a little bit for me. Um, everybody that, that got into this business doesn't have to have the thought process that we have to just make passive income. But there's a bit of realism that comes with the truck world. So from the outside looking in, you see trucks and you hear about all the good stuff coming on. Trucker, especially during the pandemic, it's like trucks are essential. Okay, well, tell that to the truck companies that folded mm. during the pandemic. Right. Right. So, yeah, they might be essential, but are you, is your truck company <laughs> one of the ones that they're considering essential? Like, how are you staying on top of that? So uh, if you have a, if you, if you're coming into this business and you're thinking the truck, I'm going to make a million dollars if I get three trucks or four trucks 
that's my goal is to make this million dollars and you don't understand business. It's not gonna work, man. Right. Can't can't be it's money driven because you have to understand economics, right? Everybody, you want to make money, the business should be profitable. But your fo- your first focus should not be on the super bag versus making sure that, that there's um policies and procedures in place, like right. the foundation of everything. With anything, if you don't have a solid foundation, it's gonna crumble. So what do you think was the secret to help you stay in business during that COVID and, and during those times where there was companies that were folding and a lot of companies have been folding even pre-COVID? What do you think has been the secret sauce for you to be able to be able to continue to be in business? God. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm prayer, saying? Right? Like, yeah, man, there's a lot of a lot of faith. Uh, but um, beyond that, relationships. Right. Um, and again, that's why I'm speaking on the business side of this, man. You gotta have, you gotta have, and you have to be able to build solid relationships, good, good relationships with individuals and or businesses where they, um, respect you one and then trust you. Mm. So for us, even during the pandemic, uh, at the height of the pandemic, right. Um, our dispatch team, you know, they were, they were like crying to us basically like how, horrible the loads were you know for us we were at one point we were taking loads that was like a dollar ten a mile hmm. for the truck drivers out there are companies that are just getting into this understand that's horrible right <laughs> right you ain't make that's no profit basically um but we had truck drivers that were still with us that were trying to make a living they still had trying to take care of their families so we didn't want to stop doing what we were doing if it was going to cost us you know, the ability to be able to help someone else. We think about, obviously we want to be successful, but we were at a place where it's okay if we don't make the money that we were used to making, if this driver can still, you know, pay his mortgage or take care of his kids or, you know what I mean? Or hurt kids or whatever the case may be. So it was, it was more of a heart thing for us. Um, And like I said, our relationships, because we were able to kind of divvy and dabble. I mean, there was there were during the during the heart of the pandemic, uh, there were a couple of times where we had to like weekend for the trucks. We had to like leave the trucks parked. Like tell them, hey, you ain't driving Thursday, Friday, Saturday this week. <laughs> right, because this was you know what I mean? well, to run the truck. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's horrible. I'd rather put you in a hotel or something and and just wait until we get something on Monday and we'll move and figure it out. Uh, we were running at the at the time during the, the beginning of the pandemic. We we're running teams, so we went from ten, eleven thousand dollars a week to you know five, mm. <laughs> wow. which was horrible. So that was a uh, that was that was kind of bad. But for the like I said, for us being able to maintain, and then we grew during the pandemic, <laughs> hmm. like exponentially. Right. So it's one of those things that having the systems in place. Having that foundation in place made it possible for us to be able to do it because we had the relationship with these uh, with Freightliner rather. So they were telling us basically we'd give you trucks because we were looking for trucks before it, and everybody was killing us. We're like, oh, we don't know, maybe uh, because they didn't need us then. Right. But when the pandemic happened, so many truck companies had an overflow of trucks. We got trucks for twenty five thousand dollars. Right. Right. That's not normal in the truck world. So it's like, how long is this going to happen? 
I don't know, but let's take advantage of it while we can. And that's kind of our philosophy. So you see us growing, but it's it's trying to be smarter than not be. Like, let's get it right now while it's this, because when it turns and, and it goes back to whatever whatever the new normal is going to be, trucks ain't going to be $25,000, $30,000 again. Right. And go back to 40, 50 or even beyond. But we'll already have established ourselves as a as a small based company that's a, a a powerhouse, so to speak, based off of moves that we made while other people couldn't or didn't. Got you, got you, dope, dope, dope. All right, man. Listen, let's 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 begin to wrap it up. We've been rocking for like an hour and a half so far. Time time yeah. flying when you're having fun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, I always like to make sure my guest gives the audience a final thought. And then um, I want to make sure that they know where to connect with you and where to reach out and learn more about your business, learn more about um, yourself. So let's start with that final thought and then let everybody know where they can connect with you. Uh, final thought for everybody out there, you, you great thinkers, is mindset. Wake up every day and tell yourself that you can do it, right? Um, the title of my second book is called Getting Things Done, right? Well, the first chapter is about the 10 mindsets, just changing your mindset on a daily basis to overcome the BS, to overcome all of the negativity, to overcome all the doubt, all of those things that uh, people let weigh them down. Click that, turn that. If you can, if you can change your mindset, you can accomplish anything that you want to accomplish. So let's not be, um, you know, weighed down with, with everybody else's opinion of you or whatever that may be. But click your mindset and focus on what it is that you want to do and you can accomplish those things. No doubt. I love it. And damn, I didn't even mention the books, bro. Plug the books one more time. What's what's the name <laughs> of the books? Yeah, this brother's an author as well. I, I apologize. Yeah. We we started getting nah, into good. this. This is so much we didn't even get to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Check it out. So look, I'll tell you a simple place where they can go. Um, everybody can plug into ryannowsbest.org. You can find uh, my two books there. Getting Things Done is the newest book. Um, the first book I wrote is a small read. It's called the, uh, it's about mindset, powerful mindset, the six or seven, uh, unlocking your six or seven figure earning potential, right? It's a quick guide to kind of just get into that, opening up your mind to understand. So again, mindset is what I'm, is what I'm trying to implore into people to uh, turn over that, that leaf, man. Just turn that ignition on in your mind and, and go forward and stop being stuck on, you know, the condition of people. Stop watching TV. You know what I mean? Stop listening to all the filth and the dumb stuff that's out there, man. And if you, this is for the people that want to be successful, you know what I'm saying? The people that have a desire to do something that's different. Not knocking anybody that doesn't, right? Because everybody's not going to be in the position that we are in. Everybody does not want to be an entrepreneur. Some people just are comfortable working and that's fine. Um, but even that, even that while you're at work, be the best worker you can be. Don't just be there. If that's what you're going to do, be the best at it. That's a fact. How you do anything is how you do everything, man. That, that's, yeah. that's some words to live by. So RyanKnowsBest.org, they could find the book. Um, where else can they connect with you on social media? Uh, if you go to Facebook, it's uh, Ryan D. Akers. If you are on Instagram, it's only Ryan Knows Best. I mean... Where else would you like to look, right? Um, Twitter <laughs> is CEO to the uh, the number two mogul on Twitter, and um, I don't think I'm on anything else right now. I can't, I ain't got with the Snapchats and TikToks <laughs> and all that, man. I'm an old school cat. Oh, I'm on LinkedIn. You search 
Uh, Ryan Akers on LinkedIn. I'm the only black one, so it shouldn't be hard. (laughs) (laughs) This is a fact. (laughs) Also on Facebook, if you search Ryan Akers, I'm also the only black one. There you go. You know what I mean? (laughs) One way to stand out, brother. (laughs) For sure, for sure, for sure. All right, dope, man. Listen, man, I appreciate you for joining me today, man. Appreciate for all the jewels you dropped today. Um, Hustle fam, thank Ryan for joining us today, and we are out. If you like what you heard, it's only going to get better. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a comment. Let us know what you want to learn or hear more about. Till next time, love is love. Truck and hustle.